Hello, and welcome to the Queen Trail podcast. Queen Trail, a woman who emphasizes a life of passion expressed through personal style, leisurely pastimes, charm, and a cultivation of life's pleasures. I am Syl Annan, and I invite you to join me in exploring and savoring life's riches and the beauty that surrounds us. In the company of friends, we can laugh, discover, appreciate, and support each other. So I hope that you will join me where I will talk about everything that makes up the rich and diverse fabric of a delightful life. Let's cultivate vibrant conversation together. Welcome. Hey everyone, I hope you all had a great week since the last time that we got together. I am so excited about being back on Daylight Saving Time. We have light until like 6 or 6.30 now, which is super nice because I feel like I got my energy back. For some reason, this year, I was not able to adjust to the darkness. And I know that there's some legislation that is being talked about to stop doing this one hour mess with everybody's brain nonsense twice a year. I'm hoping that it does get passed because it's really a lot to adjust to. I like this extra time in the evening, but I've talked to people who are now driving to work in the dark in the morning and they're having trouble adjusting to that. So I hope that it does get taken seriously and we see some change. Okay, so I'm just going to go directly into my lists with Sophia episode. It's a randomized list of questions that I found online and decided to create our own list with it. And for some reason, it went super film heavy. So there's going to be a really long show notes section with all of these films and shows and whatnot that we talked about. And be sure to stay through to the end so that you can hear the bloopers. They're going to sound a little violent because we recorded this show in the office and got invaded by both of the cats who decided to go bonkers while they were in here. And we really can't shut the door because they do scratch at the door and that's sometimes worse. And adding to the random noises that you'll hear on this episode are my squeaky chair that I need to replace really badly. You might hear the tortoise in his kiddie pool, which we put in the living room whenever it's too cold outside so that he can get his exercise. And he's very loud in there usually. And then um, you won't hear this until the bloopers, but I crashed eyeball first into a ledge, trying to get the cats to stop making so much noise. So that's all going to be in there. I thought that it was kind of funny, and hopefully you'll find it funny as well. I am fine. My eyeball can see just as well as it did before. But that's enough about the blooper section. Oh, and I almost forgot, I have a new warning. There is explicit content in this episode. Sophie and I, believe it or not, swear regularly, and some of it is in this episode. So you're probably going to hear an F-bomb right around the time where I'm talking about Laura Croft. There's about 
four or five swear words in here. So if you have sensitive ears, you have been warned. Um, Otherwise, please enjoy this because it's a really fun episode. Okay, so we're doing another list with Sophia. Hello. Hey, Sophie. All right, we're going to get like right to it. Now, this list, by the way, is just cultivated from a bunch of different lists online. It's not any specific one. I just kind of pulled questions off of all these different lists. So the first one is, what would you like to be reincarnated as if you could come back? For me, I feel like I would want to be a cat or like some sort of creature that I could be taken care of by human and loved, you know, like I wouldn't have to care about like work or school or anything. Like I just want to like lay down and, you know, purr all day long. (laughs) Well, if you take a look at our cats, we have two cats, Echo and Cytheria. Um, Cytheria is literally twice as heavy as Echo is. And they get into fights and Cytheria can pounce. I mean, she's like a little sumo wrestler going across the back of the couch <laughs> in this very menacing way. And she'll see Echo and she'll like pounce off of the couch onto her. And it's like, oh my God, she's going to kill her. So I don't know that life as a cat is always going to be purring and and being taken care of although we do spoil our girls a whole lot yeah i would just want to like sit in the sun as a cat you know like that's so like that looks so fun like just curled up in a ball laying in the sunlight you know i mean what they spend like 16 hours sleeping. yeah is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. 16 hours of sleep time that sounds nice i don't even understand because echo comes in at night and she starts bumping my shoulder so that I can wrap my arms around her and she can go to sleep. It's like, you've been sleeping all day and now you want, you're going to sleep all night. But they do get spoiled. Mm-hmm. What about you? I think I would want to be a cat or a bird. I mean, just the idea of watching Echo. Because Echo's the leaper which is why we um, tend to talk about her a little bit more because she's just kind of like very active. Also the reason why she's half the size of Sithy. And Sithy's just a very pensive, thoughtful, like she really, really tries to figure humans out. She's a very intelligent cat. Echo is more like she just wants to have fun and be loved. Uh, But we have this bookcase that is probably like eight feet tall. And then we have a smaller bookcase next to it that's waist height. And Echo gets on top of that little bookcase. And then because the bigger bookcase is eight feet high and the ceilings are about nine and a half or ten feet, there's not a lot of space up at the top. And Echo will jump up on that little bookcase and sit and calculate. You can just see mathematical, algebraic equations going on behind those eyes. And she leaps in a single bound. I mean, I know this is what cats do, but (laughs) when you watch them, she leaps up there with just enough force 
and momentum and velocity to reach the top of the bookcase without banging her head on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. And that is so amazing to me. Like, you know, I wish I could do math like that. Like, you saw how long it took me to figure out, like, oh, is that three feet or three and a half? Or is it four <laughs> feet or four and a half? I don't know. It might yeah. be 15 feet, you know, which it's not. <laughs> it's not that much. But I see her do that all the time. Just having that agility, I feel like that's a superpower that I want. Mm-hmm. I want the superpower and being a mathematical genius and understanding my body mechanics so well that I could just spring up onto things. And that's almost like flying. So that's why I would choose the bird as the second thing. If it was like, well, you can be a cat or a bird, I would be like, okay, well, which one's going to live longer? Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like the bird's only going to live for two years. I'll be the bird first, and then I can come back and be the cat. Yeah. Um, just watching birds, too. They, like, flap, and boom, they're up in the air. And I think my favorite thing is when there's certain wind patterns going, and you see the crows, you see the hawks mm-hmm. getting up there on the air currents. and Yeah, going in circles. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be one of those two. Um, it certainly wouldn't be a lobster. that was a weird movie i don't know if anybody saw the lobster but yeah i was just talking about it actually it's one of those movies that you talk about huh what were you saying about it oh i was saying it was a good movie but there's that scene with the dog in it that's like pretty graphic and it's like oh i did not think this would be in here yeah we weren't expecting it i think that was one of the things that they hid because a lot of people were not going to appreciate that scene but it was also that was his brother you know like he was mad at his brother and i don't know (laughs) yeah i'm not defending it It yeah it was just kind of like i don't know how i feel about this i have having some ethical issues with this But it was pretty funny that people were, you know, showing up at this place, this compound that they could never escape. Mm -hmm. You can check in, but you can never check out type of place. And he's like, yeah, if I don't find a love, I'll be a lobster. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding? Well, it's the whole thing where like lobsters mate for life. Yeah. And I heard that lobsters have the potential of living forever. Mm-hmm. They just molt and then they renew their exoskeleton. And it takes a lot, a lot of energy each time that these moltings occur. But if a lobster is not caught and lives out its entire life, the only reason that it dies is because it's too tired and doesn't have the energy to molt, to molt again. again. Yeah. So. I don't think that that came up in the movie. I think it was the the mating for yeah, because it was because that's the whole point of like their society was that they you had to be a couple. So he was like, well, if I can't find my other half here, like I'll find my other half as a lobster, right? Yeah, which is like kind of funny. I know it's just kind of like that quirky humor, kind of like Monty Python, kind of like dry witty humor. And I think it was an English movie too, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't, who, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was there. English, and it is like a very like English humor vibe to it. I was just gonna say that I was like, is it wasn't he English? Like mm-hmm. very like dry, but like quirky, funny. 
Yeah. Uh, director Yorgos Lanthimos. Wow, they only did that on a $4 million budget. That was that was pretty cool. Okay, so choose one person from history that you'd want on your team during a zombie apocalypse. Um, I feel like you could go with a very strong person to be an attacking person, but you could also go with like someone who's smart and intelligent and could lead people really well. You know, mm-hmm. like there, there's like, because both of those are very important. Like a strategist. Yes. I'm almost feeling like this question should be expanded to include fictional characters as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, I feel like people of history, it's kind of hard if you don't know everything about them. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like, obviously you've heard their names, but if you don't dive in deeper to who they are, then you don't know. But fictional characters, you've seen them for at least two to three hours. It's like, you know them better and you can be like, oh, well, this person will be really good at doing this. And this person is good at doing that, you know? But, you know, like I could say Annie Oakley, because she was a badass sharpshooter Mm -hmm. and she was a badass, period, you know, Mm -hmm. like she wouldn't back down. So yeah. that would be my historical person fictionally. Laura Croft. Yeah. I think it would have to be Laura Croft because mm-hmm. you just see when anything difficult comes up, anything dangerous, like she's not afraid of anything. Um, maybe even Hellboy. Although <laughs> I think I think Laura Croft is more of a badass. Than mm-hmm. Hellboy is. I mean, Hellboy spends his time trying to overcome his evil tendencies. And that's why he's so rough around the edges. And so that's incredibly commendable. Yeah. I mean, he didn't back down from the tooth fairies. <laughs> but also that was on purpose because he knew he was yeah. going to get media attention. And he knew that it was going to go out in an explosion that wasn't going to kill him. Yeah. So, uh, well, I feel like also you would need somebody who, if they did get bit, you could put them down. And I think it'd be very hard to kill Hellboy. Like if Hellboy became Like if he somehow zombie. got bit, oh God. that would be terrible. Like absolutely terrible, you know? Uh, but it's like if Laura Croft got bit, you know, it wouldn't be as hard human. to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like she's human yeah but you know something else like you take a look at these two characters because i also was thinking of riddick oh yeah who is just a super badass too but when you take a look at hellboy and you take a look at riddick they're lone wolves the only reason they wouldn't want to help you they wouldn't and the only reason that they're part of a team is because there's something there in the end for them. Yeah. They're getting something out. It's, mm-hmm. it's like they're going into these team environments out of necessity versus... Like community or want or... Yeah. Whereas Laura Croft, she has a fucking team. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's just like, yep, you know what? I can do this alone. I can do it with a team. It doesn't matter to me. And I will do things that put me in grave danger to save my team members. I mean, I will go back for that person. 
Yeah. Um, On the same note, I feel like I would want Harley Quinn from, like, the new movies. Mm-hmm. Because literally in Birds of Prey, they're on a team together. And I feel like she would beat the shit out of a zombie. Like, I feel like <laughs> she would be like, what the Where's- fuck? Like, and just, like, kill them, you know? like Where's my bat? And she's, like, such a character that I feel like it would be also fun to have her even in, like, a non like, critical moment in that. Like, just, like, walking around or getting supplies, I feel like she'd be very interesting just to talk to. But I also feel like she is capable of well, she's killing... Also quite a psycho. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but she would be interesting to have on the team. I think she would be cool. I'm literally struggling to find a male character in any of these movies that is not, like... The only reason I'm letting you be part of the team <laughs> is because we got to get to point B and then yeah. we need to palm print. And then when we get there, we're splitting yeah. ways. Like, every single male character is like that. And, yeah. I mean, um, maybe, like, Sam and Dean from um, Supernatural. Because they do, like, team up with people, but... I mean, they they kill demons, so I would assume that they'd be able to do it with... They'd be able to kill zombies. Yeah. Yeah, this is the zombie apocalypse. I'm thinking back on, um, not World War Z. <laughs> um, Zombieland. Yeah, Zombieland. That's the, a good movie. That is... <laughs> oh, that's such a brilliant movie. I mean, the comedic timing on it, the lines, the, the characters... Mm. The storyline is tight. It's, yeah, that's a really good movie. And normally I don't like zombie movies. World War Z was good, though. World War Z was good. It was short. I think it was under two hours. Um, You know, those are like some of the complaints that I have about films is I'll watch a film and I'll go, this is so bloated. They could have tightened this up and made it so much of a better film if they hadn't had this scene that really slowed it down, you know, like the mm-hmm. scenes that you notice that pull you out yeah, of Yeah, the and then you're like, oh, how long is this movie again? Like, yeah, then yeah. you start thinking about other things that you have to do. You start thinking about, do I really want to even watch this film? Because <laughs> yeah. it's like not really that good. This is, you know, this is time I'm never going to get back. Yeah. Um, and then I watched World War Z, and I was like, man, this is so good. But they tightened it too much. So much. They over tightened it. It really could have used another 15 to 20 minutes because it was hard to relate to the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's been a really long time since I've seen it, but I think Brad Pitt's character loses his kids or something like his kids. Yeah, die or yeah. There's like, yeah, he gets either like separated or something happens to like his wife and stuff, but it's. It doesn't feel, like, sincere. It It, doesn't feel, like, emotional as it should have been. Right. That sense of loss is not there because they tightened it so much that you didn't get to see who the person was. Yeah, oh my god. I hate it when they do that. When they're like, oh my god, this is my best friend. And you're like, okay, well, show us how this person is your best friend and why it's so sad that you guys are going apart. Or this is my wife and kids. Okay, then show me, like, how much you love them. Because seeing them for two minutes and then you going on your adventure doesn't make me feel sad in any way. Right. They're so tropey. They just throw them in there. And, it's and then they never a- they never mention them after. Like, they'll mention them one scene after and then at it's like, oh, oh, at the end of the movie, like, oh, my God, my wife and kids. And you're like, oh, I forgot about them. Yeah. 
Or, you know, they kill them off. And you're like, okay, well, I didn't even feel sad about that because this wasn't written, directed, or edited in a strong enough way to bring about the importance of these characters. And, you know. Well, wasn't Brad Pitt a stay at home dad too in that movie? Yeah, he didn't seem like it. But it's also like, you're with your kids more often. Wouldn't you be heartbroken? (laughs) It It was so weird. I mean, even Deadpool showed much more emotion. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's so sad. <laughs> About the loss of his girlfriend. Of his girlfriend. Bro, that part was so sad. I didn't think they'd do that, and they did. You're crying for Deadpool. Yeah, you're Deadpool. like, oh. Yeah. There's another one. Oh, my God. He would just indiscriminately be killing the zombies. He'd be like, why is everybody running? Let's just kill them all, and then we won't have to run, you know? Yeah, him and Harley Quinn (laughs) be a good fighting, zombie fighting team. That would be really good. And then um, Charlize Theron in the, uh, what was that one? The Five Underground, or no? I don't think Charlize Theron was in Five Underground. That was a good one. I don't think... (sighs) No one in there, no. You know what? Nobody in that. I wouldn't want a single person. That was a... Great movie, but I don't think any of them reach the level of me going, yeah, if I was being attacked by mm-hmm. zombies and had to figure out how to strategize, you know, like even the guys from Oceans 11, 12, 13, 11, 15. 12, 13, 14, 15, <laughs> 32, like, you know, I don't even think any of those, but no, um, the, the old guard. Oh. Charlize Theron from the Old Guard. Yeah. I think pretty much every single person in there because they were fighting some serious crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were like really good at it. Yeah. You know? And another one where it's a, a strong female lead. Mm-hmm. This is almost turning into like... <laughs> like <laughs> Women would film. be better in the apocalypse than men. Yeah. I mean like honestly, another one where you have this strong female lead and she is the ultimate team player, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, all of these ones with the male leads. Yeah. The guys are just like, I'm just letting you be here. But otherwise, <laughs> I can conquer all of this shit on my own. Yeah. Well, maybe Doctor Strange from Marvel. But he's, like, all-powerful multiverse man. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a little bit cheating because it's just like, oh, well, we could just go to a different time and yeah, this would know, be all be over. It's zombies. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with that kind of cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally do not want to be in, in the same universe that a zombie could yeah, possibly Yeah, that's exist. true. That's true. He could just take us out of there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, oh, no, zombies. Okay, let's leave, you know? Shoosh. Exactly. <laughs> Anybody who has access to a time machine, so, you know... Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bill um, and Ted. Bill and Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Bill and Ted, get in. Yeah. We need to leave. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, anything like that. Anybody who has access to a time machine, you are on <laughs> my zombie team. Yeah. You know, like, down with <laughs> We're <that>. leaving. Bye. <laughs> so, yeah. You know what? I feel like we need to do some research on non-fictional like a person from history who would actually be intelligent enough badass enough Mm -hmm. could she or he wield weapons i mean maybe i'm kind of thinking a or like prince arthur like i don't know i don't think there's anybody i have to bring up another one (laughs) like 
Xander Cage could probably kind of take on zombies. But he's another one of those where it's Yeah, like, lone wolf. Um, I'm grumpy because I'm lonely, but I'm badass. Yeah. And I'll sweep you off your feet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, what is your favorite movie and why? I don't know. This is like a really hard question. I know. Like which genre... What, you know, yeah, I feel like we... if it was by genre, it'd be a little bit easier. I just saw the new Batman movie, and that was really well done. Mm, is this a new favorite movie? I don't know. Yeah. I don't watch movies frequently enough. I think I just mentioned several that I like, <laughs> you know, and they're old, you know. I mean, yeah. the, the Old Guard and Five Underground are newer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's, like, comfort movies, too. Like, I really like Finding Nemo, but, like, it's not my favorite movie because it's well-acted. It's because there's memories associated with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's, like, those types of movies, but then there's other types of movies, like Romeo and Juliet. Like, that's a good movie because it's beautifully shot and beautifully directed. Like, it's good to watch and it's really fun, but it's not my all-time favorite movie. But I would get a DVD disc of that, you know? Yeah, I think that was uh, 1996, the one 96. with uh, Baz Luhrmann's like, that's, uh, Shakespeare and That's Juliet. like a beautiful movie. It's so stylized and... It's so good. The, the similarities, rather than riding on steeds, they're in these like badass lowrider cars yeah their their guns are called long swords and it's like shot in mexico which is like kind of odd it's like it goes with it you know and it's so like rich yeah it's just like so well done but it's like sometimes i don't want to watch that movie you know i don't know if i have a a favorite for a long time it was triple x and i know that sounds really silly but i love cheesy movies and i mean that is like as cheesy (laughs) as you can possibly get um but i love adventure and it has a tight storyline to it you know Mm -hmm. it's got got the good guys it's got the guy that's going to take over the world and kill everybody evil man (laughs) yeah yeah, it's got romance Mm -hmm. it's got a good story that completely makes sense and great actors yeah and And action and action and all the X game people in there. Mm-hmm. I just oh, and the music. Are you kidding? Like that <laughs> is like a great, yeah. great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorites for a long time. But then again, you know, I've got others where they're older ones. You know, because I haven't watched a whole lot of newer films. And I mean, we're coming off of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one where. There wasn't a lot going on um, yeah. because production was shut down and so were the theaters. So, you know, like nostalgic type stuff would be like Secondhand Lions. I oh, just yeah. love that film because mm-hmm. that's what we would watch when you guys were kids. Mm-hmm. I think at this point I have more like favorite streaming series. Yeah, I feel like I could name a lot of shows that are really good. Mm-hmm. The Boys. Yeah. Breaking Bad. Yeah. The Good Place. Yeah. Upload. Mm-hmm. How I Met Your Father is actually pretty good. I feel like we've gotten 
to a point. I don't know. Have you seen the ad for that Will, the show that Will Smith did? Oh, The Fresh Prince. Yeah, so they remade it, but have you seen the ad for it? I have not. We were just talking about that this week. It's very dark. Like, they they made it, like, they made it so dark. I hate that everybody's going that direction. So when How I Met Your Father came out, I was like, oh no. But, like, it's set exactly like How I Met Your Mother is, and it's got a laugh track in it, and it's, like, goofy and funny, and I'm like... Not everything needs to be like so deep and edgy, you know? It's like we can have light things that have funny laugh tracks in them and stuff like that. And like that was really good. I think The Good Place was very much like that. Yeah. It could have been a very dark film. And I love all of the philosophical connections. I mean, like I I had said that right away, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're not expecting Keats to be quoted and um, all of these other philosophers. And you're just like going, whoa, who wrote this? And... I was just listening to one of my favorite podcasters, Tim Ferriss, and he actually has this great, I'll link it in the show notes. He's got this great interview with Michael Schur, who is the writer and creator of The Good Place and a former Saturday Night Live writer. And he talks about the event that was the catalyst for the good place. Yeah, that was and, really interesting. you know, the ethical and philosophical dilemma that he came across. Yeah. Actually, Upload is a happier-ish. Yeah. It's weird. It's still the same, like, philosophical question mm-hmm. type. But it's not, like, super dark, although no. it is about a dark subject. Both of them are, you know. Yeah, death. death. Yeah. Um, but I think that what a lot of the networks are looking at and a lot of these reboots are looking at is, well, look at everybody loves the boys. Yeah. But it's like when you start making everything look like everything else, it's like, I'm tired of this. Like, I'm tired of this edgy, like, like I would. Homogeneity. Yeah. We need to swing the pendulum the other way, which hopefully it is, but, yeah. It's like the edge is blunted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, maybe I want a laugh track again, guys. You know, like, maybe that wasn't so bad. But, yeah. That's true. When you are alone in the car, what volume is your radio at? (laughs) It's on high. (laughs) I like vibing in my car. Yeah. It's okay. high so I can yell. So you can yell? <laughs> you yell or you sing? Well, I mean, I sing, but it's like... At the top you know, of your lungs? Yeah. Yeah. I think I like to do that too, but I want to be on a single lane road where there's no traffic, so I don't have to worry about people watching me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or I don't have to worry about disturbing them because a lot of times I'll get to a stoplight. And if I know I'm going to be waiting there for any amount of time, I do turn down the radio. And yeah. then when I take off, I turn it back on again. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. But I think it's also fun when it's nighttime and your windows are down and the volume is up, but not too much where like you can't hear your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a good vibe. The wind's blowing in your yeah. car and kind of like... And you're like on a windy road all mm-hmm. by yourself and you're, you know, jamming. That's the best. 
And it just depends on what's on the radio, too. You know, if yeah. I'm listening to a podcast, it's not as loud <laughs> yeah. as if I'm listening to some rock song. I like uh, classical music, too. You know, Enzo Bolso. I like um, Ludvinko Ignati. And that's all instrumental. But... Some of it, like Rain in Your Black Eyes by Enzo Boso, requires very loud volume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing with my car is that it only has a radio. I don't even have an aux cord. So I'm like flipping around a lot and I'll skip commercials. But I do have one CD and it's The Killers, Sam's Town. Literally. The best CD. (laughs) One CD. Every time I'm in there. It's, it's, if I, that's it. I, I have, uh, like seven or eight saved channels. If every single one is on commercial, I will turn my C. I'll just click the CD button and listen to the entire thing of Sam's Sound. It's one of the best albums ever. I'm not gonna lie. Like, oh my god, it's a great album. It's so but good. I couldn't. I just no. Couldn't. It's such I a just, good album. I go through phases, and I end up absorbing everything that I'm gonna absorb out of a particular band album and I never want to listen to it again (laughs) I think that's what it is like I'm always listening for something new that I haven't listened to before you know Mm -hmm. or that um was not like a big part of my musical repertoire I don't know I just I just flip around a lot and if I had just one CD in the car (laughs) I think at some point I would probably yeah fling it out the window. No, I I think I <laughs> bought that CD in like maybe early 2019 and it's literally been in the CD slot ever since. <laughs> it, it's so cooked. good. I Yeah, I'm the type of person that puts songs on repeat and like I don't, there's something, there's some stuff that I can just like never get enough of. Like it's just like that that feeling like, you know. The feeling of, like, listening it to it for the first time, which is, like, it reminds me of kind of, like, drugs. You know how, like, people are, like, you can never get that same high. Like, I'm, like, I'm Music that. I'm is my drug. <laughs> it's kind, it's, it's it kind of like that. It's kind of like that where you're, like, oh, like, I remember listening to this for the first time and it made me happy then and it makes me happy now, you know? Yeah. I think I tried to do that a couple of times. Like, there's there's certain songs that are just rapturous when I hear them I'm like this this is so wow wow yeah I mean like the world just stopped and it was filled with this sound this amazing sound not that it's necessarily always beautiful stuff but just mind-blowing and then I'll listen to it a few more times after that, trying to get that <laughs> mind blown high, that musical high, and it doesn't happen for me. So I think that's why I tend to move you know, on, move on so easily. And like you don't have an addictive personality. <laughs> I don't. I feel um, like I do. I feel like the stuff that like I do sometimes I get really obsessed over, and then like I can't focus on anything else. And I think now that you said obsessed, I think there's a difference between addictive and obsessive. And I don't know. I just, um, I don't 
I don't have to watch things over and over again. And it's not like I get bored. I don't get bored very easily. It's just that, you know, I got everything I, I needed to get out of something or desired to get out of something. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to go and see what else is out there. <laughs> you know, what's the new show? What's the new song? I, yeah. Like, blow my mind. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, there's certain stuff where I'm like that with, but I feel like music and like TV shows and movies. I really like the roots, you know? Mm. I have to be in the right mood. You know, like you and I like to watch Last Holiday. That's such a good movie, though. That is a really good <laughs> it's movie. It's so cute. And, and I know that there's two versions out there. We like the one with Queen Latifah and LL yeah. Cool J in it. It's so good. that's our at least once a year, sometimes twice a year, girl movie that we'll just sit down and order, take out, do our nails to mm-hmm. okay one more um you can visit any fictional time and place where is it i feel like it'd be really cool to be that guy in that walking with dinosaurs show <laughs> but um i don't want to die you know like that would be really cool if i just had a shield or a bubble around me and i wouldn't get killed by dinosaurs i know that film is like 20 years old it was on a vhs tape but (laughs) that would be cool um the the show merlin like going back to king arthur times that would be cool but again Mm. i wouldn't want to be killed or really be a woman in that time yeah like that's the thing with time travel is that really if i would do it i would want to be a white man you know, because I, I just, no, like, it's like that. you would be probably the least preyed upon. Especially just being a woman and a woman of color. It just, it's not a good thing. Well, also, it just depends on what you're thinking about, you know. Like, again, we limit ourselves. I think that we need to be as unlimited in our thinking as we possibly can to get the greatest number of, of positive choices or possibilities and I think that what happens when people say where would you travel to in the past if you could we think of these busy places but what about places that were completely unknown just so many places in the world but I I would like want to talk to them like I feel like that's what would like limit me is because I would want to talk to these people and be like, what's it like? Like, what is your life like? I would want to, like, follow want to someone talk around. To Native Americans. Because or... I couldn't. I mean, I guess that would be a different thing if I could actually speak to them because they didn't know English. But so you would be limiting. So yeah, so if, that's a different thing, though. What if getting into that time machine and going back to a specific place. Yeah, if I could communicate with you them. To communicate yeah. with whoever it was in that specific place. Yeah, then that would be a different. And so thing. that might not be so bad. I mean, it would probably be much more. Um, like, they were roughing it a little bit more. But, you know, like, literally, I would not be wanting to go anywhere where the Aztecs were because I'd be worried no, about No, they'd sacrifice me. Sacrifice yeah. But, but, yeah, going to, like, Tenochtitlan, like, that would be spectacular to see. I didn't know you spoke Aztec. <laughs> but, like, ha- like, that is so cool. It was a lake. Entirely a lake. And they were able to fucking, like, m- get shit done. The reason why all of these native 
American tribes are out in the desert, like in California and Arizona and New Mexico and stuff, is because it actually, the Colorado River used to run through there. And so where they're set up was riverbanks, but we have moved them so much that now it's just dry, broken desert. Isn't that crazy? But like how, like it would be so cool to go back and be able to talk to the people and like see what they were doing, you know? Like, and just the canals, like, uh, that's just, like, it's it's insane to me that they were able to, like, build such a big civilization. Yeah, but we need to get back, because... Like, it was well, the just... the question, though, was if you could go, go to any, any time. fictional time and place. Fictional? hmm Yeah, that's why I said, Ar- like, Merlin Arthur. That's a movie. Or show. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of, you know, like Limitless and Jumper. Any time where you could do something like that. Yeah. You know, Bradley Cooper just takes a pill and by the end of the day, he's got his <laughs> novel written. Yeah, if, if I could. And, oh <laughs> like... my God, you know, like if I could do that, that's that's the time and place I would like to live in. Um, yeah. So that's one fictional place. Harry Potter's world would be kind uh-huh. of cool. Um, or um, Doctor but, Who. Like, Doctor that would be Who. cool to be his uh, companion, like, flying around, you know? Yeah. Meet him. That would be pretty cool. Um, oh, you know what? I would like to be on the Star Trek Enterprise. Mm. Yeah. I feel like any place where you could see multiple things or do multiple things. Or just talk to a computer and go, I'm cold, mm. and the computer knows exactly what temperature. To oh set my the god! Are there like food things there where you can food. just like do do do? I want a cheeseburger or a holodeck. Oh where my you god! Can do anything fictional? Yeah, how cool! Like I would, I would live in the holodeck. Yes. Like that, that would be or it you for get me. Beamed anywhere? Yeah. Like what? Why would? Why would I not? Why would I not? There you go, Star Trek. I want to be <laughs> on the Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> and you could fight Klingons. I don't want to fight the Klingons. <laughs> I don't want, or Ferengi. You talk to Data. Da- yeah, Data. The, the whole next generation, that was, like, my favorite. Okay. You're about to hear a random conversation that somehow got in the mix. Did somebody say squirrel? Do you know that bats are the only flying mammals? Hmm. Well, what about flying squirrels? Okay, but, yeah, but they don't really squirrels, fly. they don't really fly. You're right. No, but they... Okay, because we learned about them, because they have this thing, it's called white nose syndrome. Little known fact, that's a problem for humans, too. <laughs> what? But, like, the reason yeah. why bats have so many diseases is because they expend so much energy flying. So they have to, they, they like, kind of shut down their immune system because it, it's so much energy that it could practically kill them to fly. So they've adapted so they have so many diseases because their immune system is so low, but they don't get sick from it. But white nose syndrome is essentially like if we had a sickness, like a cold, so then they get sick. Yeah. Remember when we went to Carlsbad Caverns and we went over to the bats observatory mm-hmm. there? They were telling us about that. And there was something about our shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like tracking thing. Yeah. Yeah, to a certain place. To a certain place yeah. because that would spread that white mm-hmm. nose syndrome. Because I think it's a thing where it's like 
bats in Asia possibly have it, but they don't aren't, aren't affected by it. But our bats in America are affected by it. You know, it was like something what is it? like the Mexican free tail bat. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we have here? Is yeah, yeah. What? No, what are they called? You would know you're related, huh? Yeah. What do you know about bats? Um, okay, let's see what else. If you could write a textbook, what would it be on? I feel like it would either be on like animals or like the environment in general, or it'd be something fun like crochet. And there's like no in between. <laughs> Is that actually a class? Like crochet like class? Crochet would be like home ec, which doesn't exist any longer. Yeah, but how fun would it be to have like an entire class? You know how they have like drawing classes or like pottery classes or jewelry making class? It's crochet art. It would be part Well, of maybe the it art would department. be more like like fashion making clothes or making like textiles. I feel like it'd be more like a textile thing, but it would be exclusively focused on crochet. So, like, you would make clothes. It would be designed. So, you know, there's yeah, that's uh, true. Fit-em. Yeah. So that sounds like something Or, like, that bags, hats, purses. That you could do there. But I've also seen some amazing crochet art, you know. Yeah, like, you could do that, too. There was somebody in Mexico that was crocheting these gigantic panels with roses on them. You know, like the embroidered oh, like the dresses. dresses uh-huh. But they were putting them on buildings and mm. stuff. And it, looked, it looked really kind of neat. It, it could be like a yarn class. Because you can also use it to, like, make, um, you can you can make, like, rugs with it. Like, mm-hmm. it's like. They, they have, like, handheld ones where you, like, make holes and stuff, and then, like, you put a little bit on that side and a little bit on this side, and then, like, you can make a design. But then they also have, like, these almost, like, they're, like, kind of, like, guns, and they can, like, do the same thing, but it's, like, machine mm-hmm. done. Or it's called, like, punch hole or something. I remember they used to sell kits when I was a kid, and it was a net, and they would be small pieces of yarn that you would put on the end of this hook, Mm-hmm. and you would push it through one of the, the holes in the net, and it would catch, and you'd pull up. There was a release. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So your textbook would be on crocheting. If I wrote a textbook, I think it would be definitely on critical thinking, ethics, that would be good. moral dilemmas. Mm-hmm. And i definitely make it, like, really interesting, you know, stuff like... Really like The Good Place because that was pretty funny, you know. You, you just think about yeah. the stuff that kind of bothers you. Or, or if we were being good, in quotations, you know, um, if we were being thoughtful, if we were being actually there for another person, we wouldn't do certain things that would actually harming that person. So, for example... So say this is the ethical dilemma. You've got this pattern going where somebody does something nice for you and they have all of these health problems that are related to obesity. And they, you know, they're they're constantly complaining about their weight or their blood pressure or how the doctor told them that they needed to, you know, start exercising and, and lose a little bit of weight. But every time they do something nice for you, 
you get them chocolate or you get them a baked good or mm -hmm. you buy them lunch and the person really appreciates it and it makes you kind of feel good because you gave them something in exchange for whatever it is that they did for you but is that ethical yeah because you're contributing to, to the their problems, problems yeah. even though it seems like something nice, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we need to be a little bit more thoughtful about that. Um, I think I'm, I lean towards writing something on critical thinking because you see how much social media has taken away the need to think critically. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of statements that are just made for argument's sake, and then the argument revolves around making a flimsy, unsubstantiated statement seem like it's correct, and then everybody else goes, oh, that's plausible. Yep, I'm going to get on that bandwagon. Yeah, like groupthink. I just think that it's really something that needs to be taught. Like, when yeah. this happens, you need to do some research because... This might not always be the case. Or, like, informing people about how statistics and research is done would be a very good topic to talk about. Like, a good textbook topic. Because I think a lot of people don't understand how research is done and how scientists get to certain numbers. And then they're, like, spewing these facts that are, like, technically correct, but not in the way that they think they are. You know, where it's like, this is one study and you're acting like this is the entire world mm -hmm. type thing. You distill a whole entire situation down to a single study. Yes. Yeah. You can't I think that, that would be also a good, I mean, more that would be like a book book, but. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a chapter. I think. Yeah, a chapter, like a chapter. A um, yeah. Of critical thinking and understanding your subject matter when you're, you're speaking on it. Um. And I think it would help a lot with, you know, things like, are you predicating your entire argument on this particular issue based on strong feelings or based on understanding the ability to listen to somebody else, like truly listen to learn and to understand versus listening to respond yeah. would be another great chapter in there. So I just, you know, I just think that there's a little bit more need for that. And that's what my textbook would be about. Mm -hmm. um, we could co-write it. We could co-write it. <laughs> I think that would be so freaking awesome. The mother and daughter team of ethics and morality. <laughs> um what was your best class in school and why? Okay, I think we need to narrow this down. Let's go with... Like high school? High school. Um, Like that I got the best grades in or that I liked the most? Because the best, just the best... The best grades was English. Because I'm pretty smart. <laughs> Dad hates me because I'm intelligent. Uh, other than vocab tests, which my teacher decided that she'd give us like 10 words one day and then 10 more. And we had to remember the first 10, the next 10. And then like it would continue till we had like 100 words 
and we had to remember all of them. Like, I'm not very good at that. But everything else, like, everything else, I'm pretty, like, I'm good at reading comprehension. I'm good at writing. Like, you know, what el- whatever else you do in English class. I'm too sexy for this class. <laughs> um, so that, and English teachers liked class. me. Yeah. Those would be your best classes. Yeah. Also, watching films was pretty fun. But I would say the class that I liked the most would be, like, biology. Yes, I was just about to go science, science and psychology I love science. classes. Those were the best classes because you did get to dissect stuff. You got to learn about interesting functions. And yeah, like what I just told you about bats. Yeah. Like bats are the only flying mammals. Like who would have known? You know, that's cool. Yeah. Like I feel like science... Sciences are very cool because they're like real world. What about flying foxes? Do flying foxes actually fly? And are I they actually? Don't think I've bats? ever actually heard of flying foxes. You haven't? No. <laughs> oh my gosh, flying foxes. Are they bats? Well, that's what I'm just about to look that up because they're enormous. I've never seen one in person. Mm-hmm. Because they live in South Asia, Southeast Asia, Australia, East Africa, and some oceanic islands in the Indian and Pacific Oceans. So clearly they are not a few. I see a picture. And I think they're just like really, see the, that wingspan? Mm. I think they're just really They, they do look like bats. bats. Yeah. They look like bats. They're probably bats. But you see the heads? Yeah, they're kind of scary. They're, they're very huge. They're, they're of the order... Chiroptera. I don't know. I know that there's like biologists out there that <laughs> um, perhaps are listening to, but I always call or Chiroptera. Um, I think it might be Chiroptera because remember we adopted some bats mm-hmm. in New Mexico, mm-hmm. and so we got a little certificate and we got a stuffed animal, a little plushy, a little plushy, and I named mine Cheery. Because mm. it's of the order Chiroptera. So I guess they are bats, but they are perhaps the largest. Probably the largest. Or one of the largest bats. They're, they're yeah, they are. They're enormous. Um, yeah. But it's like stuff like that, where it's like, that's, like, it's so cool. It's like, you get to know these things that, like, are applicable to life, you know, and, like, cool which i i probably other people feel like that about the thing that they really like you know like math or something or chemistry they're so big large flying fox yeah 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 now i thought those were the best classes because you really got to do a lot of stuff and then you know there was a lot of hands on yeah um you really felt like a scientist in them, right? yeah so much interesting things so many interesting things but I think after that, it would be English, because I've just always been a good writer, and Mm -hmm. I'm very smart, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, English, or my language arts classes were right up there with science, and then really math right after that, because I did enjoy math also. Yeah, yeah, I'm not bad at math, but I don't know if I, like, enjoy math classes, (sighs) you know? Okay, with math, I like doing it in a group. I feel like math is one of those things that is, like, a group activity. And I don't know if that makes sense, but... 
Like, I like doing math with another person. Kind of like chemistry, too. I feel like chemistry is one of those things where I feel like it's a group activity, which is, like, kind of fun in some senses, but sometimes it's very annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Groups can go, especially in school, in classes, when you're assigned to groups, mm-hmm. they can go either way, you know, especially if there's somebody in the group that is just not pulling their weight. That's it. Like, that's yeah. enough strain to really make it yeah, unpleasant. Yeah, you know? that happened a lot in English because... Most of the time when you're in a group with people, like, nobody wants to claim to be the leader. So most of the time I would do it because no one else would do it. But then I would be responsible for three other people doing their work. And it's like, I swear if we get an F on this, like... We had, and now we're going outside of um, outside of high school, but when I was in college, I would spend... The first week of class, just kind of listening to questions that were being asked, who was asking them, the caliber of the question, like how intelligent these people seemed. And then I would choose those people to be part of my study group. So I mostly got really hardworking people and we were acing exams because we kind of split up the research that needed to be done. It was like, you're going to research this and you're going to research this and you're going to research this. And then we'll come back and we'll study each other's notes because we're going to get the nitty gritty. And of course, you know, we read the textbooks and all of that too, but that was really important and probably like the linchpin in getting us these above average grades in all of these classes. And there was one time where... We'd already had the group for at least two tests. And the teacher was, was, you know, like, wow, you guys are doing so great. And, you know, we did work really hard on them. But it, it was that team effort, that team effort that really pushed us over the top. So when uh, this one girl came over and was like, hey, can I join you guys? And there's kind of like a little bit of. I don't know. We've already got two tests behind us. We're a really good team, you know. And like you might mess did... up the dynamic. Yeah, you just yeah. never know. But, you know, she negotiated well enough, and so we let her join. And she literally did not provide any notes. She was assigned some research, and she's like, yep, I'm on it. I'll take care of it. Didn't do that part of the research. The rest of us had to scramble to get that. She took our notes. And she got, like, the highest grade in that class that she had ever gotten. And, like, every single one of us were, like, so pissed. We just, like, glared at her. And she was coming over, like, trying to explain what, I don't know what her explanation, what, I don't even know why she even (laughs) thought that there was anything to explain. And we're like, you're out. You're out. That's it, you know? Yeah. And... I felt a little bit bad, especially with, like, philosophy class, you know, so, like, uh, like, is it okay to, you know, kick this girl out because she didn't pull her weight the first time? But it was just that kind of, like, you know, if you're going to succeed, you got to be willing to do the work, and you got to be better than just average, and I was really surprised. We'd, We'd get into conversations about class, and I was always like, you know, I want the best grade in the class. And I remember this one girl goes, you know, I just, I just want to get C's. Hmm. I don't care. I just, yeah, I just want to get through here with a C average. And I'm like, 
what? Why are you even here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really odd when you, like, find that person that's just, like, content with being just okay. And you're like, what? Why? Like, why? I know that there's been, like, this big push, like, if the best that you can do is a C, and I get it. That is true. But you should try. Like, you should be trying to get a good, like, what is it? Reach for the moon and land among the stars or something. It's like, your goal should be an A. But if the best that you can do is a C, then that's okay. But you should be trying to get that A. Right. Like you said, you, you know, you have to put the effort in rather than going, I'm okay with mediocrity. Yeah. Because, I mean, life is so dang short. There's just not enough of it to settle for mediocrity. And if you tend to to settle in a lot of places, you're letting other people tell you how to live rather than living your best life. You're just not going to. Okay. What's the best book you've ever read and why? I would say a book called A Tale for the Time Being. It's A book that I got um, when we were in a book club, we exchanged books during the holidays, and it was one of the books that I got. Um, It's it's kind of two stories. It's about a girl who is in Japan, and this woman finds her belongings because of the 2012... um, tsunami earthquake thing that happened so like this lady lives on like a an island somewhere and essentially like all this stuff washes up onto her beach and she finds this like young teenage girl's diary and is able to like go through it and it's kind of the story it's like a dual story of both of them so each chapter it's like either or The woman tries to find out who this girl is, and it's just kind of the story, like a parallel story of both of them with like very different lives. Yeah. So she finds the diary. It's like, are they kind of going through the same sort of thing, but from different perspectives? Um, I wouldn't say so. I don't know. It's more like the, the woman is trying to like figure out this girl and figure out like her story and like she tries to find out who she is and like what happens to her I mean they kind of are like connected I guess like spiritually there's like some like spiritual elements in it like later on in the book but I think I remember when you got that book because it's the book club that both of us are in right Mm -hmm. what is it smart sassy and always smart assy book club (laughs) I remember you telling me that you really liked that book Do you remember when I was working and somebody cleaned out a drawer that had stuff that had been in there for years? And most of it was tossable, but there was a journal in there. Oh, yeah. And I pulled it out and I didn't have time to really like go through it. And my intention had been to figure out whose it was so that I could get it back to them because journals are very personal and important to the person who wrote it. So I brought it home and I started reading it, looking for the name. There was no name anywhere, nothing to identify who this belonged to. And it was a man's. 
Um, he worked, I don't want to mention what it is because I'm pretty sure I know what organization he probably worked for. And it was probably the most interesting book that I have ever read in my life. And it was like having a piece of somebody's mind in front of me and being a scientist studying, you know, like sociologist slash psychologist studying what this man was talking about and just seeing the world from this male perspective that was just very open and genuine and insightful. I wish I could get the journal back to him. And apparently he had a whole like two pages on his favorite pen and (laughs) why he chose this pen and all of the other pens that he had chosen uh, prior to that and the various mechanisms that allowed these pens to function the way they did and what the weak points were, why he decided not to choose those pens and why he decided to choose the pen that made it to the top. And then he had quite a few pages and several passages throughout about organizing. He was very keen on organizing his life. He had a journal for everything. Like he had his one journal for each one of the projects that he worked on. He had a journal for tracking things that I would kind of consider mundane. Uh, He, of course, had one for tracking his diet and his exercise and his weight. And he had another one for tracking his health. Um, And apparently he had so many journals. was talking about having this huge organization system that was going to require him to clean out his garage and put in bookshelves so that he could put all these journals in a nice organized manner and be organized within the journals themselves and be organized in the type of journals that he used and be organized in the type of writing implements that he used. And he was just going to completely organize his life. But it just seemed like the more he tried to organize, the more he tried to control, the more out of control everything seemed because of course the world is constantly in flux right there's constantly things are constantly changing and that wrecks your ability to keep this organizational quality about your life and that was really difficult for him so I'm gonna have to read that book because at first I felt bad that I was reading this journal because That is not a good thing to do ever to people. You know, I've never, I literally have never read anybody else's journal, but there was nothing to identify this person at all. Uh, Reading it was kind of going into this investigative detective type of mode. Which is like exactly what, yeah, like the older woman finds this journal and she's like, well, I need to figure out who this girl is and how I can get it back to her. But then she ends up, like, reading it, you know? Yeah. See, that made me feel a little bit better about it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I still have it. And I wish I knew who this person was. And I don't want to put any more information out there than that. Because I don't want to breach his confidence. His privacy. Thank you. I don't want to breach his privacy. Um, 
Do you have any other books? Um, I mean, I haven't read a lot in the past few years. So most of my stuff would be like YA. Um, Hunger Games, honestly, is a very good book. The first one. Um, I'll say like Maximum Ride was also really good. Also YA, but that entire series is good. Anything else? Holes was good. Fight Club's good. There's a book called 101 Cupboards, which was my favorite book when I was younger. It's like, I think they move into a place, in like a weird place, and they find like in the attic, there's 101 cupboards on this one wall, and they essentially go to different places, and it's kind of like a fun like fantasy book. Like they're portals? Yeah, they're like little portals, yeah. Like one's like a little mailbox, and like sometimes they get letters through it, or like they walk through like a forest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maximum Ride, of course, that was going to be fabulous. It was written by James Patterson, who is a genius writer. Mm. They did start to make a series, a film series of it, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, I didn't watch it, though. I'm a little scared to watch it, honestly, because... (laughs) It always gets ruined. Yeah, I don't want to be that person, but it's like the books are so much better than the movies. You know, they... Most of them will be. Well, I don't think you're that person. I think it's true of anybody because the book allows your imagination to fill in a lot of blanks and it provides more detail, but in a more nebulous way so that the character that you see is your character who you would like Mm -hmm. or who you would dislike or... Yeah, the scenery that you see, you attach your memories to it, those great places that you've been to, or those, you know, you, you attach your emotions to it, too. So um, there's there's a more intimate quality to reading a book mm-hmm. than there is a film, because yeah. what's in a book does not transfer exactly to film. Yes. And somebody else will have to fill in those blanks what the character actually looks like, mm-hmm. what the scenery actually looks like, yeah. what the mood actually is, their interpretation of that. And so now they've taken away your ability to interpret those qualities. And because an entire novel is often crammed into two hours yeah. or two and a half hours, There's a lot that's missing. So they'll do stuff like in The Perfect Storm, which is a great book by Sebastian Dunger, who is an excellent journalistic stylized writer because he was a journalist for a long time before he became an author. But his books are succinct, clear, very matter of fact, strongly journalistic, And just amazing to read all of the detail that he puts in there. And they're not super emotionally laden. They're just very crisp and clean. The Perfect Storm is one of those books. But in the film, they took things that were in several chapters and stuck them in one single scene. So somebody got, I don't remember exactly what the whole thing was, because it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. And it's been a long time since I read the book. But like somebody's boat sank, somebody got 
caught on like netting or something and dragged into the water. Somebody had a hook go through their eye and, and then there was like something else. And all of that happened in one single scene and you're like going, what is this? <laughs> the fucking Keystone Fisherman? I mean, it just didn't have the quality that the book could. And, you know, in many regards, I don't blame the filmmakers because they can't make as good of a film mm-hmm. as the book was. But at the same time, don't do stuff like that because especially like avid readers are already done with the film when yeah. stuff like that happens, you know? And then, like I was saying, when you fill in the various qualities and details, you know who your character is. And like the first three books of Stephen King's The Dark Tower series mm-hmm. are excellent. They're such great fantasy writing and thinking and just these rich, diverse characters that he fleshed out so well and created this amazing storyline, these amazing worlds that the characters live in and you really care about them and they're magnetic and dynamic. But just about everybody's mind who read that series, Roland, who is the main character in that series, was a white man who, in many regards, even from the beginning, I felt kind of looked a bit like Stephen King. Although he didn't say that, as each book from that series came out, I think I got the last one, and it had renditions. And it was literally Stephen King... (laughs) in gunfighter attire. And I'm like, I knew it. The last one is terrible. I, I think he, uh, you know, like the each each one got a little bit worse because it's hard to... Keep going once you... Yeah, if you don't plot it out well enough. I think he plotted it out well. It was just a really big story. And I think stories often have a natural ending to them. Yes. And he went past that natural ending. And... You know, he's an experimental writer, too, even though he's got a formula. So many of his books follow that basic formula, Mm -hmm. and you know what's going to happen. But he also was challenging himself to create this huge compendium, the series that was just going to go on for as long as he could get it to go on. And, you know, it kind of fell apart in that last one. I just don't think that it had the energy to be carried on. But anyway, that's who everybody had in their mind. And then Idris Elba is Roland, the gunfighter. He's an amazing actor. I love him. But that was a real difficult transition for a lot of people to get on board with. I think that it was just a big expectation from fans to make that kind of transition. I don't think that it had anything to do with race. It's just that a particular character's characteristics were presented in the book. And then you go to see the film, and there's somebody else there. And we like to think that we can adapt really easily to things like that. But I think that there was some struggle there, simply because the expectation and the reality were different. And you know what they say, happiness 
is reality minus your expectations. So I haven't seen the film, but I am looking forward to watching it. The other thing is that I think there's like eight or nine books in that series. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many they put into that film. And Stephen King stories tend to be really bad films for the most part. I've noticed that other than like The Shining. I mean, I I have never really read his books, but I feel like all the films that I've seen are always like a little like missing something there's like they're almost like too unbelievable like they're, they're missing like a piece and i don't know what it is but he's so successful that i'm like the book must not read like this you know yeah the books don't read like a you know like christine or firestarter or you know they did the stand for tv that was terrible um i think they did salem's lot but I do have to say that there are some really great Stephen King successful adaptations. Stand By Me yeah. is amazing. Yes. The Green Mile mm-hmm. is amazing. The Shawshank Redemption. I was going to mm-hmm. say Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. That was a short story. You know, and then you get something like The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Conchita Alonso, which... They were trying to infuse a lot of humor into it because it was that kind of circus atmosphere anyway, that reality show craziness, but it didn't translate well. Everybody keeps trying to make these films from his books because his books are just so amazing, um, but they don't always translate well. A book that I read that I also watched the movie of that was pretty good was The Martian. Yes, we both read that because that was a book club book, right? So we both read that. You're right. Yeah, I remember being pretty satisfied with the movie because the movie was the movie was pretty accurate to what happened in the book. And it wasn't like they tried to shove things in. And I feel like the pacing was done very well in the movie and in the book, too. The book was very well researched and very well, like, written. There was a realistic quality yes, to yes. to that fiction. Even though it is, yeah, it is fictional, you know, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely like that was a really good adaptation. Um, what other books do I have? <laughs> Outliers. I am constantly mm-hmm. quoting Mm-hmm. Out of Outliers, that's Malcolm Gladwell. Excellent book about the factors that make people successful that are really outside of their control. They have wow. to do with either the time period that they're born, the the hockey players that were born mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year and end up getting like an extra year of practice because they're too young to be in a league so when they're accepted into the league they're already bigger and faster and stronger than the younger kids Mm -hmm. and so they they somehow end up being like these superstars and when you take a look at national hockey league players the majority of them have birthdays within that first quarter of the year and then you know like the rockefellers and the duponts and all of these very wealthy families coming from when the industrial era was beginning and the opportunities were there for them to make all of this money. Jobs too. Like it's kind of like right place, right time. He also had the right amount of money. He was in California 
He had access to things that helped him. Like, a lot about, like, your life is made up before you were born. Like, a lot of it is based on the circumstances. Yeah. Because if, if you weren't born in the same place that you are now, you really would be a different person. If you had different parents, you know, if you were born in a different time period, everything could change. You could be one of the most famous people, just depending on where you were born, who you are born to, and what location geographically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he's got other formulas in there, like the 10,000 hours. If you want to be an expert in something, you have to put 10,000 hours into that particular task before you can really be an expert at it. And so there's some tried and true formulas in there, some really good science in there. I just, I love that book. I would highly recommend it. The other one who is similar to Sebastian Junger is um, Frank McCourt, who is no longer with us. He wrote Angela's Ashes, and he wrote Tiz. And Angela's Ashes is probably one of my all-time favorite books. And he's very, there's this very matter-of-fact, this is what happened in Ireland. We were poor. We were a big family. My father was an alcoholic. My mother can take care of us. We didn't have wood to burn. So we tore up the staircase and took the pieces of wood and threw those in the fire. Just a really good read, historical, accurate, autobiographical, just excellent. And it's really hard, I think, to take a hard, harsh subject matter like that and put it into words and a perspective that does not leave the reader an emotional mess or wanting more clarification because the writer got so emotional that a lot gets lost in the descriptive qualities versus the solid facts of the story. So um, Frank McCourt and Sebastian Junger are both excellent writers in that regard. Um, And then I would say, I'm just going to do one more, maybe unless something that you say triggers another book, but I would say The Wind in the Willows. I don't care how old you are. That is an excellent book by Kenneth Graham. And... I love the story of the rat and the mole. I love that gentle, idyllic quality. They're rowing on the water. The mole is doing spring cleaning and the river rat goes down to help him. And they meet Mr. Frog or, you know, the toad. Because mm-hmm. I think that's like the Disneyland ride, isn't it? Um, Mr. Toad's wild ride. Yeah. Mr. Toad steals a carriage and, and in the story actually does go on this wild ride. And, you know, that's another thing I think it's kind of nice to have a connection. So many people go to Disneyland. It is not to me, it is not the happiest place on earth. It's like very (laughs) stressful to me. It's too crowded. But I do have fun on the roller coasters and the rides. But Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is based on the toad from the wind and the willows. And it's nice to have that historical background, because it connects you a little bit more with the experience. Yeah, it's it's just beautifully written. And I think that might have been the only book that he wrote, or maybe the only children's book he wrote it for his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenneth Graham had a had a pretty tough life. And for you know, him and and um, Robert Stevenson, 
Both of them were very sickly. Robert Stevenson wrote, um, not Treasure Planet. What is the... Treasure Planet is based on the book that he wrote. Um, Treasure Island. I think he also wrote Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm going to have to check that. But these were two incredibly sickly people that had tough childhoods growing up and they created these amazing stories. So um, yeah, The Wind in the Willows is is a very special book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good book. Any other books? Mm, I don't think so. And also, I need to correct earlier, we said that the name of one of the films is Five Underground. It is actually Six Underground. I don't know who we killed off. (laughs) (laughs) We killed somebody off, one of the members. um, But yeah, it was Six Underground. All right. I think we're done with our questions for this episode of Lists with Sophie. We will see you next time. Bye. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and take some time to dive deeper into some of these questions yourself, as well as check out some of the films that I've put in the show notes that you might not have seen. Please send me your responses to these questions. I want to know who your zombie fighting team or partner would be, fictional places and time that you'd like to visit, and the textbook that you would write. Please keep your questions and suggestions coming. If you enjoyed this episode, it just takes a second to rate it, and it'll help move it up closer to the top of the searches so that my friends and I can reach more people. There's much more to come, including many more in the Company of Friends talks. Be sure to follow me on the socials and on the dot com where I post updates, upcoming topics, recipes, and lots more. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the dot com at the Queen Trail Podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E podcast. Don't forget to stay tuned for the bloopers at the end. I am Syl Annan, the Queen Trell, and until next time, I wish you the best zombie fighting partners, passion, courage, grace, elegance, and beauty. Are we done? My butt hurts. <laughs> Closer to what you want because there's so many. I'm sorry. My butt is literally. Yeah, but you just totally made noise over my response. <laughs> Where you're going and how long. <laughs> She rabbit. Echo is killing a pickle, a catnip pickle, and has decided that she just wants to murder it. And so she is the zombie kitty at the moment. Oh my god, are you okay? Yes, I think so. You didn't lose your eyeball? I almost did.
Oh my god. <laughs> I might have a I might have a black eye tomorrow. God, what was I saying? Bro, I'm trying to speak. Hey. Throw something at her. She knows. She's gonna throw stuff at me. Because <laughs> I do that sometimes with my shoes. With your shoes? Well, I, won't, I don't hit her. Throw a paper towel, wadded up paper towel. Well, sometimes at her. I'll throw a sock at her and she'll just look at me like, oh, you really thought that was gonna make me move? <laughs> like. The church bells are going. It's 11.23. It's very odd. Probably because of the time change. I'm thinking like it's some weird random time and they're going off, but they're pretty.